You're listening to CBS Sports Radio. And welcome on in to CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey here with you on this Tuesday evening. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you for making us a part of it right here on CBS Sports Radio. So the two teams we saw in the Super Bowl last year, Chiefs, Eagles, the two teams that are or were, I should say, the betting favorites to be back in the Super Bowl going into this season are reeling. We just saw the Eagles on Monday Night Football lose their third straight game. We've seen the Chiefs this year already surpass their entire loss total from last year. They have five losses already. They have been a disappointment Both teams, I think, have unfixable issues that are going to flare up in the postseason. Which are you more concerned about? Are you more right now concerned going to the postseason about the Eagles or the Chiefs? My answer is the Eagles. Because unlike Philly, despite their flaws, I still think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Not winning it, going though, and winning the AFC. In large part because I don't see, despite their their flaws, I don't see a team or I don't trust a team to knock Kansas City out and do what you got to do to dethrone the Tramps. I actually see, I absolutely see that happening in the NFC. But it's also because not just the 49ers are a better team than the Eagles. I think there's no way the Eagles are going into Santa Clara and winning. But it's not just that one fact. It's also because the Eagles' problems are way more widespread right now than the Chiefs. Like, if you look at Philly right now, They have multiple areas of concern compared to the Chiefs that really have just one. Philly, their defense has been a problem all season long. All season long. Their secondary is awful. Awful. Their third down defense is the worst in the league. And now you already see, I think, the desperation and the awareness for how bad their defense is because of Monday night you saw the switcheroo. Sean Desai, who was the Eagles defense coordinator Got the boot, or at least got the the demotion. And now (laughs) Matt Patricia, which I'll be honest, I didn't realize was even on the Eagles staff. But yeah, Matt Patricia calling the defensive plays for the Eagles um, on Monday night and now going forward the rest of the year. That is an issue where Philly obviously is concerned about and to not even give Desai the entire year in his first year in Philly to now call plays as a DC. They made a change going into game number 14. So they recognize, and the stats back it up, this is one of the worst defenses in all the league. That's a problem. What's also problematic is Jalen Hurts' decision-making. It is massively concerning how turnover-prone Hurts has been so far this season. He's already tied for the league lead with 17 turnovers. And this is a guy, by the way, who's never been a turnover machine. And he had just eight all of last year. So he's already doubled the number of turnovers It's still, by the way, three games to go. So it looks like if this trend continues, he's going to bare minimum hit 20. And this has been a guy who I think you could have said going into this season throughout his college and NFL career, this was a guy that you could trust with the football. He was not Josh Allen. That was reckless. That would make some oh-wow plays followed by some oh-no plays. He was steady. He was consistent. He rarely put the ball in harm's way. And that's a guy you could trust that he's not going to beat you, beat you by himself. 
in terms of like beat yourself. This year he has. And his decision-making to me is the biggest reason for it. He's not regressed. I think for me he's forcing a lot of, of passes and making a lot of bad decisions because he's trying to make plays. I think trying to at times play Superman in this offense. So he's putting balls in tight windows that have no business going there. He's ignoring open checkdowns and open underneath routes for first downs to go for the kill shot, go for the 60-yard bomb that ends up being picked off. It's been an all-season-long problem, and especially now with the playoffs approaching and the Eagles in a, in a free fall, I don't see that style of play changing this season. That, to me, feels like an off-season philosophy adjustment and offensive coordinator adjustment. I think part of it is Hertz does not have a lot of faith in his OC, which is part of the reason why he's taking it upon himself to kind of play hero ball here that's working right now against the Eagles more than it's helping them. I think that is a, a problem that's not going to be fixed in the span of a week or by the time the playoffs come. Hertz is going to be a turnover machine come playoff time, and that is not going to do Philly, Philly any good. But it's also like you got to wonder about the overall psyche of the Eagles as well. Because even more shocking than Hertz's bad play when it comes to turnovers this year are to me what his comments were after the game on Monday night. Talking about this team needing more commitment. Now that's what he's not been seeing be there. That's a problem, and that sounds like it's an overall widespread team problem. Whereas it's just a coaching staff problem, which I think personally that's what he's talking about. Maybe he's talking about the team as well. Maybe he's talking about overall everyone was comfortable after last year's run to the Super Bowl, and everyone assumed, hey, we're getting back there, no problem. And then we're not ready to face adversity and now not handling it well. Whatever he's talking about, the fact that he voiced his frustration after week 15, I think shows one of two things. Number one, I don't think this is the first time he mentioned it to the team. Like the first time players and coaches hear Jalen Hurts talking about lack of commitment was not yesterday. I'm sure once, if not multiple times, Hurts has brought up the lack of commitment to his team and tried in-house to fix it. He is not a guy who wants distractions. He's not a guy who feeds the media anything. I think he went public because his message is not getting through. And at this point, like, I mean, we got three games left. How is anything going to change from that level going forward? So the team is not committed to doing whatever it takes either to win, to make adjustments, to, to be in the best position possible to succeed. Whatever the issues are, they are problematic right now for the Eagles, and they are not getting solved to the point where Hertz had to speak out of character and criticize his own team by saying something he's never said to the media. And that is negative words that don't involve himself. He said, oh, I, it starts with me. So he was taking blame and accountability. But usually, everything he says starts and ends with him. He said it starts with him being more committed, but he didn't say it ends with him. It ends with everyone else on the coaching staff, everyone else on the team. So you add all those things up. Again, you look at how Phillies play this year. They aren't being the 49ers. Whether they're at Philly, in Philly at the link, or they're in Santa Clara. doesn't matter to me. Now, they're not going to be at the link. They're going to just, I think, get the two seed here after Monday's loss to the Seahawks, and they're going to have to go to San Francisco for the NFC title game. They're not winning that game. That's why, for me, I am more concerned about the Eagles because look at the Chiefs. They have a wide receiver problem. They do. 
And we saw it again, Kadarius Tony, who honestly at this point, I think maybe his, his biggest problem is that he got into the wrong profession. Like if he's a tremendous setter, if he was a viable player, he would have won us a gold medal in the Olympics. He's tremendous at batting the ball up and putting it right in the hands of the defender, but obviously he's invaluable would be his teammate. Tremendous at setting the ball to be picked off. If he was a setter, we'd be wing gold. If you're a football player, especially a receiver, it leads to interceptions. Yet again, another catchable pass he dropped and led to an interception Sunday against the Patriots. There's outside of Rasheed Rice, there is no Chiefs wide receiver that is consistent, good, scares you. And that is trickling down to Patrick Mahomes to where he is not having a great year and this Chiefs team is is beatable for the first time in a long time because no one's scared right now of the passing attack. And even Travis Kelsey, the guy's been MIA. I don't know if it's just this one offseason, he's aged like 10 years. I mean, he's 34 years old, but this time last year, he's looking like still like he was 25. I don't know if Taylor Swift's got him on a new diet and now he's slowed down. I don't know if the summer was spent canoodling with Taylor instead of working out. I have no idea. But Travis Kelsey has looked like he lost multiple steps on the field. You barely see, you know, his impact felt. He's not an uncoverable tight end like he was for most of his career, even last year. That's a big problem. So Kansas City's passing attack, because the weapons right now aren't very good and aren't very productive or consistent, it's problematic. But a look around the rest of the AFC, like, I don't know who's beating them. Dolphins can't beat a good team. I don't like right now. Like, the Ravens I don't trust. Lamar's not played well in the postseason. That defense has not been very clutch. I don't like the receivers whatsoever for Baltimore. Like, do I see Baltimore even at home beating the, the Chiefs in the playoffs? I don't. I, I don't know right now who'd beat them. So even though that they have they have a massive flaw, the Chiefs do in receiver, that's not getting fixed between now and the start of the playoffs, I don't think there's a right now a team in the AFC that is built to take advantage of that. But in the NFC, look at Philly not only having multiple problems that are widespread throughout the entire organization, they right now also in the same conference are the best team in the league that no one's beating in the 49ers. So going into the playoffs, coming off of Monday night's Eagles lost to the Seahawks, where now they've dropped three in a row. I am way more concerned right now about Philly than I am Kansas City. How about you? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Which team are you more concerned about? Which team has a lesser chance to make the Super Bowl this year? Is it the Eagles or is it the Chiefs? Bradley's calling from... California. What's up, Bradley? Hey, can you hear me? Loud and clear, buddy. What's on your mind? Cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would have to agree with you. I was going to say Philly as well, although I don't think either one's going to the Super Bowl. Ooh, what we got in the AFC? <laughs> I, I think the Bills, in all honesty. I think they're getting hot at the Bills. right time, and they they just beat them. They barely lost to the Eagles, right? Uh, who they just they just beat Dallas, I think, by like 20 Smoked points them. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they they're looking pretty good on in the AFC, and then I said it last year, so I got to stick to it. I I told my buddy that uh, living in California, I'm a Lions fan, and he's a Niners fan, obviously. So I I said last year that it's going to be Lions and 
49ers NFC Championship and Lions going. <laughs> wow. So you're sticking with that. You're going Lions to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I've been a lifelong Lions fan, Let's so I'm go. a little biased there. But <laughs> no, but no bias. The I, think, uh, I think the Eagles, I think you kind of nailed it. You know, they got a lot, a lot of other issues kind of going on all over the field, right? Defense and offense a little bit. So that's kind of where my head was at. Plus, they've they just lost to Seattle. There's a good chance they could be like the seventh or eighth seed, right? Uh, then you got the Cowboys who beat them. You got the Niners, which is the front runner to win the the Super Bowl. It sounds like right now. So I just think they've got a harder path once they make it to the playoffs. Oh, that they do. Appreciate the call, Bradley. I mean, the Eagles, I still expect to get the two seed. Like, I think they're going to win as long as they win the next three games. And again, it's the Giants twice and Cardinals. For how bad the Eagles have looked the last three weeks, they're going to beat the Giants twice and the uh, and the, and the Cardinals. So, I think the Eagles are going to win the division. I think they are going to be the number two seed. So, they'll get two home playoff games. I don't think anyone's beating them. No disrespect to your lines. I love the optimism. I don't see Jared Goff going into Philly and winning. I don't. That's been a guy who's too inconsistent and has not shown a propensity to play well in the in the elements. Needs a dome in order to to win, and that's why um, he struggled. And we saw it in in Chicago recently. I just don't trust him right now to go into Philly and win. Um, and it comes to the Bills really fast to, to your point about the Bills going to the Super Bowl. You're not the first person to say that, Bradley. A lot of people have jumped on Buffalo's bandwagon the last few weeks. Here is why I am slow to the bandwagon. Number one, they are a streaky team. Like, they have always been streaky. So this right now is a hot streak. Will it last until February? I'm not sold. That answer is yes. I still think they have problems. They still have some holes defensively. I, I'm not sold right now that they are going to ride this wave and beat every team in their path between now and February 12th when they go to the Super Bowl. That's number one. Number two is, even if the Bills went out, right, even if they, they win their next three games um, and they finish 10-7, uh, and seven, they're, they're not a lock for the, for the playoffs. Like, they don't control their own destiny. And that's also problematic to where if the Browns went out, the Browns are in and the Bills are not. If the Bengals went out, Bengals are in, Bills are not. The Colts went out, Colts are in, Bills are not. So you have right now, for how hot the Bills are, they're not even in control of their own playoff destiny. So there's a real chance they could win all three games, be the hottest team in the NFL, and be at home come playoff time. Another reason why I'm just right now pumping the brakes on at least the Bills going to the Super Bowl, I'm not there yet with Buffalo just yet. All right, 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. We are taking your thoughts on right now. Are you more concerned heading into the postseason with the Eagles or with the Chiefs? Also, when we return, there is one team right now outside of the 49ers that no one in the NFC wants to face come playoff time. I'll tell you who that is when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey on a Tuesday with you right here. CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey right here on CBS Sports Radio. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for making us a part of your day right here on this tremendous network. We were talking a lot about right now the fallout from that Monday Night Football game. Eagles lose to the Seahawks, lose their third game in a row. Panic is ablaze in Philly. So the NFC, the reigning NFC champions are right now in big-time trouble, flooding 
on the flip side, the AFC champions are not much better. They have a you know wide receiver concern. They are have already surpassed their loss total from last year. No, look nowhere near as unbeatable as it did last season. Both teams right now have problems. So both teams right now that won their respective conference last year, we saw in the Super Bowl, the two betting favorites to be back in the Super Bowl this year are right now floundering. Which team are you more concerned about here going forward into the postseason? Is it the Chiefs or is it the Eagles? 855-212-4227. Really fast here, mentioning that Monday Night Football game. A really fast shout-out because the Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly supports and serves the Armed Forces DOD, veterans, and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Can't talk about Defensive Player of the Week and be talking about last night's game without mentioning the man who won the game for Seattle on the defensive side. Safety Julian Love put an absolute clinic in the fourth quarter of Monday Night Football. Had two interceptions in that deciding quarter, including what was just a flat-out incredible game-saving interception late in the game. I'll be honest, I still don't think he got his left foot down. I mean, I've not seen an angle that shows me that his left foot did scrape the ground. It's very close. I don't think you get any closer to not touching the ground than Love did, but I'm not sold that that left foot got down. But hey, either way, the referees called it. It was the second interception of the game, won it with less than 30 seconds left, and helped seal Seattle's 2017 victory over the Bills. uh, Over the Eagles, excuse me. Julian Love is your Navy Federal Credit Union defensive player of the week. All right, so for me, I am more concerned about the Eagles than I am the Chiefs right now. Defensively, Eagles stink. They are not getting any better. They've tried a coordinator change. Not going to work. Their secondary is beat up and just flat out bad. Their defensive woes are not changing between now and January. They are going to get exposed. Offensively, Jalen Hurts is a turnover machine. I don't think that is changing between now and February or now in January when the playoffs do come. So those two reasons alone are the two reasons why, for me, I am more concerned about the Eagles because for the Chiefs, yes, wide receiver is a big problem, huge problem, not getting any better. But they have found ways to win games in spite of that. And also in the AFC Conference, there's a flaw with every team uh, in the conference right now in the playoff race. I could point to is saying, well, yeah, Kansas City has their own problems, but look at this team, X, Y, and Z. That's two or three reasons why I don't think that they could beat the Chiefs. So I still think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Not winning it, how the 49ers doing so, but I think right now the Chiefs are, are my team to right now beat in the AFC. How about yourself? 855-212-4227. I knew it. It's been two and a half hours, which means it's really two and a half hours longer than I expected to hear this voice on the show. It is big-time Bills fan Adam in Toronto. Hello, Adam. Hey, I'll take it. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I can already hear the joy in your voice. I won't even ask how you're doing because I already know the answer. You know, I'm doing great because if you are saying <laughs> that the Chiefs are going to go back to the Super Bowl, it only means the exact opposite will happen. So what you're saying is making me happy, buddy. Uh, uh, I'm, if you take the Eagles and the Chiefs, they both have two very different problems. The Eagles have a defensive problem. Their defense is terrible. The Chiefs, they have an offensive problem. Their offense is terrible. 
But I have more faith in Jalen Hurts getting into a shootout with somebody than I do Patrick Mahomes getting into a shootout with somebody. Not because Jalen Hurts is better than Mahomes. I know Mahomes is the best. I don't have to repeat myself. Everybody knows he's the best quarterback. Right. But he has no one to throw the ball to, Hickey. If you take Travis Kelce and you double-team Kelce, there is nobody else on that team who can consistently catch balls and run with it. And so it's just Mahomes and nobody else. And i got to correct you on one thing, Hickey. Uh, here we go. So you said, you said if the Bills don't win out, or if the Bills win out, they still might not get in. Yeah. Right? So if the Bills go 3-0, they will be at 11 wins. They are in at 11 wins no matter what. I went on this New York Times simulation last night because I've been pondering in my head for hours last night about how the Bills could get in if the Dolphins somehow won the next two games. So if the Bills get to 11 wins, they have over a 99% chance of getting in, man, because all the teams in front of them play each other and cancel each other out. But that's not going to matter, Hickey, because those frauds in Florida – are going to lose one of the next two games. I promise you that. I apologize for my voice crack there. I'm very passionate. I, I don't know what, you know what it's going to take for the national media to, to, to see that the, the Dolphins are fraudulent. They haven't beat a team over 500 since last October. So they're going to lose one of the next two games because Dallas is going to be pissed and both wars going to be playing for the one seed that week. So either way, the Bills are going to walk into Miami and take the division right from Miami. So they'll be wow. in either way. And uh, I appreciate the time, Hot Day. I love talking to you, man. Adam, likewise, I appreciate your passion. Listen, from one guy with a high-pitched voice to another, the voice cracks are, are welcome here without a doubt. Um, you are right, Adam. I am wrong. My apologies. My math was way off. You are right. I don't know why I'm sitting here thinking that the Bills are 7-7. Seven and seven. I'm an idiot. My fault. They're 8-6. and six. You're absolutely right, Adam. They they win three games in a row. They are 11-6. and six. They are in. So that's on me. That's on me. Math was not a strong suit. I went into sports to avoid math, and here we are talking about playoff scenarios, crunching numbers, and your boy can't do that. So thank you for the correction there, number one. Number two is you are right in the sense that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense, if it's a you're saying it's a 35-35 game, who do you trust in a shootout more? It's absolutely the Eagles offense right now. They have more weapons. Even with Hurts' turnovers, they have more ways to beat you right now than Kansas City does. But here's the thing is I don't think the, the Chiefs have to get in a shootout because their defense does a great job and slowing down a lot of these high-powered offenses. Like, Adam, you saw it two weeks ago. Your Bills won the game. They beat the Chiefs. Contra- There's no controversy because it's the right call. But you won the game. It was 20-17. to 17. For right now, how hot the Bills are, even their offense, barely managed to score 20 points. This Chiefs defense is really damn good. So I don't really look at a situation, honestly, in the AFC where they're going to get in a shootout. You mentioned the the... The Dolphins are frauds. I do think they're going to win on Sunday because the Cowboys are equally fraudulent away from home. So I think fraud playing fraud. I'll take the home team here. I'll take the more explosive offense in Miami. But, I mean, you don't bind into Miami. They've not played well against a good team, like you said, in a year and a half. So if they match up in the playoffs, I can't sit here and, and tell you that Miami's going to put up 40 points on the Chiefs. Mahomes, uh, Lamar's never played well in the postseason. I can't sit here and tell you that the Ravens are throwing up a 35-burger on the Chiefs. I can't look at a team right now like Joe Flacco's playing better. Is he putting up 31 points? No. So that's a thing that also is working in the Chiefs' favor. Their defense is not going to get them in a shootout. They're used to winning games 23-20, 20-17. So while the Chiefs' offense, you're 100% right, is not good enough to get in a shootout and have no weapons right now outside of Travis Kelsey, I'll, I'll say Rasheed Rice, has developed into that, although I am wary of relying on a rookie wide receiver um, as your number one weapon in the playoffs. Uh, 
But nonetheless, the Chiefs are used to winning close games and winning low-scoring games. That's one where you don't have to worry too much if you're a Chiefs fan of them getting into a shootout and uh, and getting in trouble here. Lee is called from Cincinnati. What's up, Lee? Not much, Ryan. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks I got to say, it, first of all, that I think I think Adam uh, he's, he's totally wrong, man. The, the Dolphins are going to stomp a mud hole in the Bills and then walk wow. it dry. Wow, right, I that's, like that. that I, I really think that's going to happen. But to be uh, to tell you about the Eagles, um, I think the Eagles' main problem is Jalen Hurts, and I think Jalen Hurts' main problem is himself. I, you look at the player the way he's playing this year. He's playing a lot more tentatively this year. He's not playing as right. uh, how, how, nowhere near the same amount of confidence. Okay, and he can change that. You know, it's all in his head because, like you said, he's got the same offensive weapons. Offense coordinator is different, yeah, but as a quarterback, he's supposed to take what's given him the plays are given him and make the best out of them. And let's face it, last year, do you think he would have tried to throw that ball to Antonio Brown? I mean, to Brown at the end, or do you think he would have dumped it off? He would have dumped it off. He would have seen that last year. Why? Because he's just like you said, he's pressed too much. But I think it's because he doesn't have as much confidence in himself for God only knows what reason. I think that's the biggest problem. I think the Eagles could definitely turn it around, okay, and it it's all inside the quarterback's head. Lee, I totally agree, and appreciate the call, buddy. Be well, always nice talking to you. I agree and disagree. I agree with your assessment 100%. I think right now Jalen Hurts' biggest flaw is his lack of confidence. I think for me that comes from not having faith in the coaching staff, specifically the offensive coordinator. We've seen now how well Shane Sykin is running that Colts team and that Colts offense. Uh, with Gardner Minshew playing all but one game this season, and now you take that creativity away from the Eagles, now all of a sudden yards and touchdowns are harder to come by. I think Hurts is forcing it, personally. So I do think that the offensive coordinator has a big um, impact on his lack of confidence. I just don't think it can change like overnight. Like I think for me, like this is a problem that's going to be fixed in the offseason. We saw Mahomes in 2021 where all of a sudden defenses realized, hey, we can't go one-on-one or we can't blitz them. So we're just going to basically play prevent defense and keep everything in front of us. And you saw Mahomes get frustrated a lot during that year where he started forcing balls deep, had a lot of turnovers, and that the Chiefs were losing games, teams they should not lose games to, because Mahomes was forcing it and he was trying to be the hero. That to me is how, when I watch Jalen Hurts this year, that's what I see, kind of similar behavior. He's not taking the checkdowns because he's trying to play the hero and trying to, you know, throw the three, you know, the 21-point touchdown when, in fact, a 10-yard dump off on third down and 10 to get the first down and move the chains is exactly what he would have done last year. Not this year. He's pressing, he's forcing, but I just don't think that's a, you wake up one day on a, you know, you wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, I got to change my philosophy. That, to me, is an off-season change that also comes at par with a coaching change, an offense coordinator. So that's why, for me, for the Eagles, I don't think we're going to see a massive difference in Jalen Hurts, what we saw on Monday night, versus what we're going to see in the playoffs, because I think it's an off-season change, not just a one-week sort of turnaround. All right, when we do return here on CBS Sports Radio, a lot of college football notes here. I do want to get into the transfer portal has been busy, including in a negative way for USC. Is 2024 all of a sudden a prove-it year for Lincoln Riley? We'll discuss when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio. We mentioned before it is the return of John Morant. His 25-game suspension has been over. He's been reinstated to the NBA. And right now, the Grizzlies are playing like he's not on the court. Halftime in uh, New Orleans. It is the Pelicans 60, 
The Grizzlies, 38. So a 6-19 and start without John Morant now is transformed into the first half with Morant down by 22 points. Ja for the game, 7 points, 3 of 8 right now from the field, 0 of 3 from 3. So he's still trying to get his legs. He's still trying to, you know, get better here. Um, And uh, so far not providing any sort of spark. For the Grizzlies, we talked about it before, but just to reiterate it here, this year I don't think for Ja Morant is about um, anything on the court. Nothing statistically, nothing about wins. It's about him earning the trust back of Memphis and having feel, you know, having them feel like they can now keep their star on their team moving forward and not have to worry about him getting in any off-the-court troubles like he's gotten into a good amount in recent years. That's what this season is about. If he gets in his best behavior going forward and has truly made improvements to his life and is making better decisions and has matured, that I think if you're the Grizzlies, even if this season ends without winning another game, that to me would be considered a win for this Memphis team this year. So they actually just counted the threes at the buzzer. It was good for uh, good for Memphis. So it's now 60 to 41. 19 points down at halftime in Jaws return. Also a nice little benchmark here for Damian Lillard has surpassed 20,000 points for his career. I'm sure will be another foot more, uh, footnote in an illustrious career that I'm sure Dame this year especially is hoping where we talk about his career that the number one uh, thing we list off is NBA champion. Right now, Bucks just destroying the four-win Spurs up by 20 points uh, in the second quarter. So that's, again, so far Milwaukee taking care of business the way they showed against what has been a very bad Spurs team. That, though, is a little bit of an update going on uh, throughout the NBA so far on this Tuesday night. And we may need an entire four-hour show to get you updated right now on what is going on in the world of college football with all different quarterbacks transferring, all different big-time players transferring right now. we got bowl games as well. It is a loaded and busy college football season. So a few notes I do want to hit on in what is... I guess a concise version of some college football storylines we'll head on right here on CBS Sports Radio. We will start with recruiting. Tomorrow is National Early Signing Day, which now replaces National Signing Day. Tomorrow is really where we'll call it 95% of the best high school players they will sign uh, with their schools tomorrow. And a big get here for Nebraska was number one quarterback prospect Dylan Riola, son of Dominic Riola, who spent his entire NFL career with the Lions, spent his uh, college career with Nebraska. So, son Dylan, number one quarterback recruit, following in the footsteps of his dad going to the Cornhuskers. Look, number one, a big get for Matt Rule. Uh, you just landed the number one quarterback in the upcoming recruiting class. Congratulations. But I'm not going crazy. Like That's not a huge reason to celebrate because now the hard part starts. Like The hard part wasn't, get, wasn't getting Raiola to commit to your school. The hard part now is going to be developing him, keeping him there, and winning with him. Like now in this era of the transfer portal where, I mean, at least right now you have one who knows how the courts work? Maybe two or three 
times you can transfer without sitting out for a year. Quarterbacks especially are going to leave early, late, in the middle, depending on how they are being developed, depending on how they feel the coaching staff is, depending on how they feel the team is winning. And so for Matt Rule, yes, it's cool that you have Varola on your team and you're able to get such a big-time prospect to sign with you at high school. But now the big-time challenge is going to be keeping him there past 2024. Having him feel like Lincoln is the right place for him or where he can win, where now you have four really good teams in USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington coming to the conference, along with powers like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa's run that west side of the conference for a while. Like Rule now has to guarantee and make sure that he's going to not only develop Arola, but also now win games. Because we've seen plenty of quarterbacks leave, and there are plenty of programs willing to take on a guy like Raiola if Matt Rule can't put the right position players around him, can't coach him correctly, and can't win games. And again, it's going to be tough. I mean, look right now, we'll get to USC in a second, but you had Malachi Nelson, who's the number one quarterback prospect in last year's recruiting class. He was at USC this year. He's under, right, a quarterback guru in Lincoln Riley, which all he does is produce Heisman Trophy winners and first-round picks at quarterback. And despite being the number one quarterback in last year's class, Nelson's now leaving. He's in the transfer portal. He's leaving USC. So... Any quarterback leave at any time. Nice get for Rule, but I think the real congratulations, the real excitement should be in three or four years from now if he can win some big-time games with Royola in Nebraska. That is where the real success will be. That is where the real challenge is going to be, not now just getting him to your campus. Let's discuss USC. We just talked about Malachi Nelson number one quarterback prospect in last year's recruiting class, now in the transfer portal is leaving USC. Next, 2024 is turning into a prove-it year for Lincoln Riley. Where I don't, depending on how next year goes, I would not be shocked if Lincoln Riley is fired. This is starting to feel like Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M where the wins weren't there and the money doesn't matter. Look at Riley so far. He had two absolute flops with a generational quarterback of Caleb Williams' talent where you did not win your own conference and missed out on the playoff two years ago. And then this past year, you go 7-5. and 7-5 and five with the number one pick in the draft. That's inexcusable. How, like, how is that possible? Lincoln Riley made it possible. And now you're starting to feel the belief in Lincoln slowly fade away. Players are leaving. Again, we just told you Nelson in the transfer portal, leaving USC. Mario Williams, former five-star wide receiver who followed Riley from Oklahoma to USC. He is in the transfer portal. He's leaving town. You have right now in the transfer portal for USC three five-star players, two four-star players. And it's not like USC is Georgia, where Georgia has a ton of talented players on paper, but they also have a ton coming in and the number one recruiting class. USC is just 17th. 
So it's not like there's this massive influx of talent coming in. And hey, for, for them to come in, you got to kick people off. Get them out. And that's why some of these former four and five star talents are transferring. It to me seems like there is starting to be a lack of belief and some questioning of Lincoln Riley can truly be the big time coach he was built up to be. And now you look at USC going to the Big Ten. With their schedule next year, LSU at a neutral site in Las Vegas. You're at Michigan, which honestly I think right now sound, uh, is easier than it sounds because I think Michigan's going to be just a mess next year. Penn State comes to uh, comes to town. You're at Washington, who just reloaded with Will Rogers. Now committing to the Huskies, second all-time leading passer in SEC history. That's going to be a really tough game. UCLA, Notre Dame, like, we're talking about another 75 season for Lincoln Riley USC. Is it crazy to say he's fired? Exodus of players is the first step. Wins don't come. Now going to a better conference and a deeper conference in the Big Ten. Uh, boosters, I think, are starting to or will start to get restless. I think we saw at AM. It gets to a point, if you want to win badly enough, Money ain't a problem. They ponied up to to give him a hundred million dollar deal reportedly. I don't think they'll have any problem eating some of that money to move on. Finally, speaking of money, Lane Kiffin. Man, what a job his agent's doing. One year after getting an extension, he gets another extension. Announced today by Ole Miss, his contract extension, his base salary here for 2024 and beyond is going to go up. So he now is staying uh, at Ole Miss for even longer. I think it's a perfect fit for Lane. He right now, I think he gets everything he wants. He is the king of the town. Right? He is the king of Oxford and really the king of Mississippi. He runs that state, which I think he does want. Like, I think there is a part of him that wants to be the center of attention. He's very funny. He has a great personality. I think he wants it to shine and get rewarded for it. He does that by being right now in the state of Mississippi where he right now is the king. That's number one. Number two is he is good enough for it. He is going to keep Ole Miss relevant every single year. And that's what Ole Miss wants. I don't like for me, I think Lane Kiffin is the James Franklin equivalent in the SEC where he will win nine, 10, sometimes 11 games a year, but never win that big game. You need to get over the hump. Never win the big one. That matters. And he'll win plenty of other big ones. I mean, he'll win plenty of other games, I should say. And he'll make sure that you are in the consistently in the top 25 and the top 15. And for Lane, while he can't win the big game, not winning the big game is not going to get him fired in Oxford. It's going to get him fired at Alabama. It's going to get him fired at Ohio State. But Lane going 10-2 and every year and not winning the big game is not going to get him fired from Ole Miss. And that's why I think it's a perfect fit for him. They don't have championship expectations the way even schools like Auburn and A&M do. Where going 10-2 and but losing Alabama, not winning SEC title games, not winning playoff games, that'll get you fired at those schools. Not at Ole Miss. And that's why I think it's a great fit for Lane. I hope he stays there the rest of his career. I think it's great for college football. I think he's great to... To keep Ole Miss relevant, I love Ole Miss. Like, that's a school that I just enjoy seeing win. They're fun. I love the uniforms. I love the, like, the 
the vibe and the culture. But Lane is not a guy that right now can win the big game. And that is not a problem. And I think for college coaches now, you're starting to see more and more they realize the grass is not always greener. And that's why I think if you're Lane, signing this extension is the right thing and staying there for 10, 15, 20 years is the right career move for you. So happy for Lane Kiffin, happy for Ole Miss. Those two have found the perfect relationship that I think works um, works perfectly for what both of them are looking to get out of it. And that's where true happiness, I think, is found. And I think more and more coaches are starting to see figure that out.